welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. We have been pushing this and pushing this and pushing this, and thank you for being here this morning because this uh, is, is huge, it's big, and it's exciting because the reality is there is a lot of work to be done, amen? And, and I believe that Grace Hill is a crucial part of what God wants to do in his kingdom. And we've talked about this before, that, that the reality is that since Grace Hill has started, so many churches have come and gone. So many church plants have begun and, and faltered. So many church plants have started and their doors have closed. But God, through his faithfulness, has allowed this church to stay open and continue to work because I believe that we have a crucial part in what God wants to do. I'm not saying we're the solution or that we're the answer. I'm just saying that God has asked us to be a part of that solution and that answer. So I'm excited for Vision Sunday. I'm excited to talk about what it is that God has been speaking to me. Now, I'll give the background and kind of the precursor and all of this. So in 2018, we had a big transition in this church, and you may be vaguely aware of what happened. Uh, Some of you, if you're new, you're going, no, I have no clue. I don't know what happened. So in August of 2018, God did a transition in this church where Pastor Michael, who was the founding pastor here, left to go to pastor a church in Austin. And in that time, God brought Lauren and I here to be the pastors of Grace Hill which we believe, and hopefully you agree with us, was the will of God and that he has led us to this point. And in that moment, through this whole transition process and and all of our interviewing and everything within us, God began to birth vision in Lauren and I. God began to speak to our hearts and begin to to, uh, deal with our hearts and and say, okay, what have I created you for? He took us on this journey of, of identifying our vision for our lives in identifying what is the vision and the, the purpose of us individually, and then working through that to say, okay, what is the vision then for Grace Hill? Where is God leading this church? And so today is the culmination of all of that as it's been birthed in us now for months that he's been speaking to us and, and building these things in us. And so today we get the opportunity to share all of that. How many of you know that vision is important? Just in the sense of, think of it in the sense of physical ability. Vision is important. It's, it's something, sight is probably something that we take for granted all the time. Um, I, I know that, that vision is, is needed uh, because I've tried to walk through the dark. And that's difficult. How many of you have ever wandered through your own home in the dark and have still struggled because you're going, okay, I know there's a table here somewhere. And you start reaching and grasping for things. And if somebody was able to see you, you would look absolutely ridiculous because you're just like, it's here. Where is it? Right? You're doing this whole deal. I had a great moment. Lauren and I years ago used to be, uh, we led worship for a youth group over in Saxe at North Place. And we, and we did worship there for a while. During that time, we were asked to go lead worship uh, with our team um, for a church in Oklahoma for their youth group on a winter retreat. So we drove all the way up to the northeast corner of Oklahoma, almost into Missouri, and we were in this, this campground. And so we finished that night service, and it was a winter retreat, and we're further north. It was so cold after service that we were like, okay, we've got to go from this building back to the cabin where everybody's staying. So we're not going to do that in a slow manner. We're going to run to get there. Now it's dark because it was later. You know, youth stuff doesn't start as early as adult stuff does, and so everything's later. So we're, we're, it's, it's dark and it's cold, and we decided we are going to take off running to get to 
uh, uh, to the cabin that we were staying at. A lot of you have met Andrew. Andrew's playing the guitar here. He's the one that was back here playing guitar today. Andrew was a part of that team with us. Andrew went to Oklahoma with us, and poor Lauren was the only girl out of, all, out of the, the five of us that went to Oklahoma, and we made her drive the whole time. It was awful. We weren't married yet, so I got away with it. I drove some, like two hours maybe. Total bit. But there's this great moment where it's freezing cold, we're gonna run back. And so Andrew decides he's gonna lead the charge. He's gonna take off running first through the cold dark and make it back to the cabin before everybody else. So it's dark. We're unfamiliar with the area completely because we've never been to this campground ever and, and we can't see. And Andrew takes off running. And at some point, he decides to turn back and look at us and say something to the extent of hurry up or come on, can't you go faster or something like that. And he used some crazy Southern Hick accent in the process, I'm sure, because it was what he did. He was like, hey, come on, man, or something like that. That's probably what he did. As he turns around and he's saying that, and he's like, come on, man, or whatever he's saying, wham, full speed into a tetherball pole. True story. I am not making this up, poor guy. Like, I just love that you go to church here now so that everybody can share in this moment with us. This is so good. Full speed into a tetherball pole because he was looking back and it was dark, unfamiliar. And I'm not joking when I say that he was bruised from the side of his face, face all the way down into his like inner thigh where he just full on just ate it into this pole. And I just remember seeing that he's laying there and he's going, oh man, like just hurting so bad. And it was, it was terrible. In fact, it ripped his pants open. It's so bad that he came to Lauren in the girls' cabin and he put his head through the hole in his, the side of the leg of his jeans and said, Lauren, do you know how to sew? And she was like, I, even if I, did, I don't have anything here anyways. We're in, it was one of those crazy moments, but I learned a valuable lesson. Vision is important. You need to be able to see where you are going to avoid unavoidable right, accidents. Uh, being able to know where you're headed allows you to avoid obstacles that otherwise are unseen. And so God has been dealing with me and, and speaking into my heart, into Lauren's heart. In fact, you see this statement, belong, become, be light. It's on the wall out there. It's on t-shirts. We've had this up in our house uh, for several weeks now, just as our, our children are being completely brainwashed and indoctrinated with this ideology of belong, become, be light. And I want to talk about that today as we look at where our church is headed and who we are becoming and, and what it is that, that God is speaking to us. The big idea today is this. Grace Hill exists as a place to belong, to become like Christ, to be light to the world around us, all for the sake of changed lives. That is who Grace Hill is. That is not just a catchy statement. That is what we will funnel every decision through. That is what we will funnel every dollar spent through, every man hour spent. Everything that we do will funnel through this idea of, this, does this allow us to be a place to belong, to become like Christ, to be light to the world around us for the sake of changed lives? And if it doesn't fit that criteria, guess what? Grace Hill is not doing it. 
This is who God has called us to be, and this is what we're going to work through. So what does that mean in the context of our church? These are, these are catchy words, right? It's, it's three words that start with the letter B, and, and, and it's, it's easy to remember because we wanted it to be easy to remember so that when people come, they catch it, they know it, and they can immediately uh, jump in and, and grab onto it and go, okay, I get the vision of the church. I see where it's going. But it's more than just a catchy statement or, or something that we can brand and put on things. It, it, is, it is who God is calling us to be. This is the direction that he's leading us in. He has called us to be a place to belong, to become like Christ, and to be light to the world around us, all for the sake of changed lives. And my goal is this, that each one of you learn that statement and can reiterate it and regurgitate it and, and speak it back to me so when I go and have coffee with you, I can say, hey, who is Grace Hill? And then you can just repeat it back to me and I go, awesome. Then we've only started and we've only just begun in in becoming who God's called us to be. So let's walk through this so that we have an understanding of what it is that this means in the context of Grace Hill. So the first thing is this, belong. Belong. Grace Hill is a place to belong. Matthew 9, 11 through 13. I promise you that, that we're going to support all of this with scripture, right? Uh, we are not going to just throw these ideas out to sound cool, but we're going to use the word of God to fulfill the vision, right? So Matthew 9, 11 through 13. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like, what in the world is wrong with this guy? He is not a good man. He is eating with terrible people, Right? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus exemplifies the idea of welcoming. He exemplifies the idea of, of, of opening his arms and loving people. I think one of the things we do well as a church is, is I feel like we are, we are a welcoming church. But I, I want it to be, I want you to understand this, being a welcoming church is not going to be something we're good at. It is going to be who we are. It is going to be a part of, of, of our culture. It is going to be our DNA. It is going to be ingrained in us that we are a church that says, you belong. I don't care, I don't care your race. I don't care your, 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 your background. I don't, I don't care your, 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 your religious understanding. I don't care what it is. I don't care who you are. I don't care your, your, your socioeconomic status. I, it does not matter if you, if you are a human being and you are living and breathing. You belong at Grace Hill. You belong at Grace Hill. This is a place that welcomes you and says, we are glad to have you here. One of the things that we learn from Jesus is that, is that he is with the worst of the worst. The Pharisees are saying, why does your teacher hang out with the people that we absolutely can't stand? See, tax collectors were not their favorite people. How many of you agree that, that it would be hard to be friends with an IRS person? I mean, bless your heart, if you work for the IRS, I love you. Hear me, you know what I'm saying? But, but the reality is, is, is taxes are a way of life. It's a part of, of, of society. It's a part of how culture moves forward. I understand that, right? But at the end of the day, nobody likes paying taxes. But when you look at it in the biblical sense, tax collectors were thieves, Right? They were crooks. They weren't just taking what was supposed to be taken. They were taking extra off the top and going, oh, well, then you also have these fees that aren't, aren't listed and that you have no documentation of and whatnot. And they would begin to hoard and take all of this money. And they became very, very, very wealthy and, and because they were taking from everybody else more. So they're going, why is he hanging out with tax collectors? Why is he having dinner with these sinners? 
with these people who are, 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 are repulsive in their moral choices and the ideas that they have. Why is he choosing to be with these people? And it says the religious world, right? It says the Pharisees and those who are, are high on their religious horses and saying, we look down upon you because you have no moral bearing or, or, or understanding of the word of God, right? And so Jesus is going, you're missing the point. I have a love for all people. I have a love for everyone. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the unrighteous. I came for the unrighteous. One of the things that, that we see in, in, in the church world, and, and a lot of times in, in the mindset of an, of an older church world, right, this is a big shift that has taken place in the last, in the last 10 or 15 years within the church that, that we're seeing a better response to, is that, is that, that we can't have the, the unrighteous in the church because this is the body of Christ, and so people need to stay away because, well, they don't look right, right? There's kind of been that, that ideology and that mindset a lot of times of, of churches that are, that are, are very... Uh, you know, kind of standoffish and going, we'll keep you at an arm's length because you don't look like us. You don't, you don't act like us. You don't think like us. And so we're going to love you from a distance, you know, that kind of mindset. And we're seeing a shift in that. But, but I want you to understand that, that the heart of Jesus says we're going to love all people. We're going to love all people. And I understand the mindset of, of, of well, if, if we, you know, at, at what point does it become accepting and condoning of, of behaviors and, and, and sinful lifestyles and stuff? And I go, I, I understand the sentiment, but, but look at Jesus. And Jesus was saying, I, I'm, I'm going to love them nonetheless. Here's, here's three things about Jesus real fast that we see in this. One, Jesus was with sinners, right? Jesus was with sinners. He, 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 didn't, he didn't separate himself from sinners. He went to find sinners. Look at, at, the, at the woman at the well. The woman at the well. Jesus went out of his way to go through Samaria just so he could have an encounter with the woman who was rejected and outcast by society. She was viewed as this, this, this uh, uh, very, very promiscuous and, and unfaithful woman, right? And, and she had had several different husbands and was living with another man at this time. And she was getting her water from the well at a time of day when no other woman would be at the well because who would go in the heat of the day? But she was trying to avoid social interaction with people because she was so downtrodden by the society around her that said, you are not good enough. But then comes Jesus who said, I love you, and I've got water for you that you can drink from. And she goes and says, come meet this man who's told me everything about my life and still loves me. Jesus was with sinners, and Jesus loved sinners. Jesus loved sinners. In fact, that's why he died for us, is because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But we see even the compassion that he had while on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand what they're doing. He has compassion for the sinners. Jesus was with sinners. Jesus loved sinners. And Jesus corrected sinners. He didn't leave them the same. Right? So there's this idea of, well, at what point are we condoning and accepting? No, 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 listen, we are loving people. We're welcoming people. We're loving people. Because the reality is every one of us have our downfalls and our issues and our mistakes. And it's because of Christ's love for us that we were able to come to him and that we could repent and that we could turn and that we could experience life change in our own lives. Amen? Amen. 
See, Jesus didn't have the heart to say, hey, I want to hang out with you and be with you, but you can say exactly how you are. No, no, Jesus' love says this, that, that I want to see you grow and change. I believe that, that one day we will have a church that says, this person used to be a homosexual, this person used to, to be an atheist, this person used to be a Muslim because we've accepted them, we've welcomed them, and we've loved them, and we've showed them the love of Jesus, and we said, listen, we love you here how you are, but we also know that God's love for you is greater than anything you've known, and he wants to see you grow and change. He wants to see you mature in a walk with Christ. He wants to see you set free and and released from addictions, and he wants to see you released from sin, and he wants to see you released from, 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 from the mindset of a world that says Jesus isn't the way, but the reality is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and no man comes to the Father except through him. See, we will be a church that is a place to belong where anybody can walk in and feel welcomed and loved, that that anybody can show up and not feel shunned or cast away or pushed aside, that anybody can walk in this church and know the love of Jesus because we are called to do so. We are called to show the love of Jesus to all people. My fear is this, that if we begin to reject or push people away, at at what point do they say, I don't want to hear anything that any Christian ever has to say. I don't want to hear anything that the gospel may have to offer me because I've seen the people that represent that truth, so to speak, and I want nothing to do with it. See, we have to be a people that welcome all people so that we can have the opportunity to show the love of Jesus in the changing power of his grace. Grace Hill is a place to belong. I don't care who you are. I don't care your background. I don't care what you know, what you believe, or how you live, or how you act. You belong here. We will welcome you. And like I said, it's not just going to be something we're good at. It's going to be who we are. It's going to be in our DNA. It's going to be our culture. So how does that look at Grace Hill? How does that look at Grace Hill? So there's a couple of things that, that, that I, that I want to point out. We are going to place a great emphasis on our guest experience. So this is where it goes from preaching to vision casting, right? This is kind of that back and forth thing. Kind of do. So we're, we're going to place great emphasis on guest experience. What is guest experience? That is everything from the moment you pull onto the parking lot until the moment you leave on Sunday morning. We're going to be ramping things up around here. So guest experience is, is ushers. It is, it is hospitality. It's newcomers. It's, it's uh, everything that you can see. It's greeters. It's, it's all of that encompassed into this one big giant umbrella of guest experience. We're going to make sure that we do everything we can to be the most loving, the most easy, relaxing experience so that there is no restrictions or, or anything that is keeping people from being able to walk into service and experience the presence of God. I want it to be just like, almost like going to Disney World. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want people to show up on a Sunday morning and be like, uh, where's the line for the, for, for Magic Mountain rides and whatnot? You know what I'm saying? Like, where's the little boats for It's a Small World? And be like, we burned them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was kidding. We're not burning It's a Small World in case, you know, Disney's listening in right now. They're not. I'm just going to throw that out there. If it burns down, it had nothing to do with us. How funny would it be, though, if we turn on the news tonight and be like, it's a small world burned down in Orlando and in Anaheim. I'm like, ha. Then the Lord heard my cry. I'm just kidding. Wasn't me. But I want that to be the feeling like, man, they do things 
so well, top notch. It, it is just the easiest thing in the world because I, I want there to be no, no, no walls put up or anything because of, of, of a lack of care and concern for people when they walk in. I want people to know that they belong here. I want them to know that they have a place here. So how do you fit in that? I'm glad you asked. So glad you asked. It starts with the heart, right? It starts with examining our thoughts and our ideas of people and setting those aside and saying, you know what? I'm gonna love all people that walk in this door. Even if you say, I'm not scheduled to volunteer today, I don't care. You're part of Grace Hill. You love people. That's the reality of it. You welcome people. You, well, I'm not, I'm not a greeter today. I don't have to. Yeah, no, I, don't, I didn't ask what your volunteer role was. I didn't ask what your job was on the dream team. I'm saying you're part of Grace Hill. So therefore, this is our culture. This is our DNA. This is who we are. We love people. So when we see people, our role and responsibility is to make sure that, that when people show up, they don't feel as if they're pushed away or, or set aside, but that we go out of our way to welcome people. And we say, hey, are you new here? Is this your first time? Let me let me welcome you. Let me say thank you for being here. Glad you're here. Can, can, do you want to sit with us? Do you need a seat? And, and our ushers are going to get to the point where like, hey, I was trying to seat them. You just took them away from me. And I'll be like, man, isn't that awesome that people love people enough that even our ushers are going, I can't even help people find a seat. Our ushers are going to do a great job at it, but it's all of our responsibility to make people feel welcome and to feel loved. It is who we are going to be. It is who we are. Can everybody get on board with that? Amen. I, I should hope so, because it's just the word of God, and we're just going to run with the word of God. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And if I stay on one point too long, we will be here forever. So the second thing is this, become, become. So First John 2, 5 through 6 says, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did must live as Jesus did. This is where church can sometimes be difficult, right? Because it's, it's, it's speaking to the fact that there are things in our lives and things in our hearts that we have to change. There are things that we're gonna have to correct over time that, that as God reveals them to us, because now we claim to live in him, he's gonna say, okay, that's good. That is where we're gonna begin. That's not the end of the journey. We're gonna keep working and working and working to become more and more like Christ. We're going to work every day to be more like Christ because God has called us to become like him. He's called us to, to live as Jesus did. He said, if, if we claim to live in Christ, then we need to live as Christ. If we claim to live in Christ, we need to live as Christ. Now, that's difficult. So let's look at the, the Greek word for just a moment. The, the Greek word for live is uh, peripateo. Peripateo is, is a word that essentially means this, to behave, to go about, or to walk to behave, to go about doing, or to walk. He's saying we, are, we, we need to, to behave as Jesus behaved. That, that goes back to the idea of loving and, and welcoming and, and having open arms for sinners and say, this is, this is the place that, that people need to be. This is, you know, it goes to that, but it goes beyond that to the, the, the interaction with, with all people. But it also goes to the interaction with our mind, with our thoughts, with our walk, with the way we speak, the way we act, how we live things out. Are we, are we living a life according to the scripture, according to the word of God? Because Jesus has called us to become like him. Grace Hill is a place to become like Christ. I believe this, and I've said this before. Jesus is not content to leave us how we are. 
He's not content to just say, okay, you've, you've said a prayer, you've repented, you have salvation, and then pat you on the back and send you on your way. No, 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 no. His heart and his desire is to see you grow, to see me grow, to see us begin to change and have this process of growth, and we love to call it sanctification. And it is an ongoing, continual, never-ending process that he walks us through, that he leads us through every day, challenging us, pushing us, and saying, hey, do you notice that? Do you see that wrong thing in you? Do you see that, that attitude? Let's fix that. Let's tweak that. That thought you had, capture that. Don't, don't, let, that, don't let that run. Take it captive. You know? And he, he see, keeps walking through these things and, and, and challenging us and pushing us to say, I want you to become more like me. And Grace Hill is going to be a place to become like Christ. We're going to welcome people, we're going to love people, and then we're going to help each other to become like Christ. Here's the greatest thing about that is it doesn't happen without each other. It, it, we need each other. So how does that look at Grace Hill? What, what does it look like to become like Christ? First of all, it happens on our, 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 our Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings are, are a crucial and vital part of what we do. Because here's what's going to happen. On Sunday mornings, anybody who speaks on this platform, anybody who comes to share the, the word of God, they will be speaking the word of God. We're going to make sure of that. We're going to let you know that when, if somebody is up here, you can trust that they are going to preach scripture. And if they get up here and they start preaching it wrong and they start teaching false things, guess what I'm going to do? With every ounce of boldness in me, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pat them on the back and say, hey, brother, we love you, uh, but you can go. And I'll fix it, right? We'll just go, okay. Here's what the scripture actually means. Here's what, you know, if that ever happens, then one, you all can get very upset with me because uh, I allowed somebody to come and speak that isn't preaching the gospel or preaching the word of God. And then two, I will do everything I can to correct that teaching. We're not going to allow people to teach false doctrine. We're not going to allow people to teach false theology or, or, or bad understanding of scripture, right? We're going to make sure that whoever's up here speaking the word of God is truly and accurately preaching the word of God. Because the word of God is the vital truth to all of our beliefs and understanding. And so we are going to take it seriously that, that when it is brought forward, that it is an actual correct teaching and understanding. So it starts on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings is how we're going to begin the process of becoming like Christ. There's nothing greater than the gathering of the saints together to worship and, and to hear the word of God. I love Sunday mornings. Amen? Sunday mornings are good. I hope you love them too. Because if you don't, man, we've got even more work than I thought we had. This is, you know what I mean? We've got we to gotta make this. This is a place that people want to be, right? The second thing is this connection groups. Connection groups. Some of the greatest growth in your life is going to happen outside of the walls of this church or outside of the Sunday morning experience. Some of the greatest growth in your life is going to happen within our connection groups. And that's our small group ministry here at Grace Hill. This is the opportunity where you can build relationships with people where there's a closeness and, 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 and what feels safe for you to be open to share and say, hey, here's my struggles. Here's the things I'm walking through. And in that, we can have prayer with each other. We can study the word of God in a deeper way together. We can have people come alongside of you that are challenging you, that are pushing you. That's that iron sharpening iron, pushing you forward and causing you to say, I need to grow. I need to be more like Christ. So connection groups. If you are not in a connection group currently, listen, February, February 3rd. February 3rd is going to be our connection group Sunday. On that day, you will have an opportunity to meet our connection group leaders. You'll have an opportunity to sign up, to find a group to get connected into, to plug in and begin to grow together. Amen? Because we need each other. 
We're not going to grow. We won't become like Christ if we're sitting on our own in a room and then hoping that it just happens. It doesn't just happen. It takes work. It takes, it takes effort. It requires us to put forth the energy and the time needed so that we can become like Christ. It, it requires a heart that says, I want to become like Christ. That's the first part. But then we need one another to move forward and to grow. So connection groups, February 3rd, be here for that Sunday to find the right connection groups. Plus, we kick off a new series that you don't want to miss, X's and O's, as we talk through relationships, and you have a chance to win a date night. So a uh, little plug, throwing that in there. Uh, plus Plus, you get to hear Lauren speak more, which she's awesome. So uh, you don't want to miss that. Then the third thing is this, in your own home. In your own home. Families, hear me. We believe in Grace Kids. We believe in Grace Kids Junior, which is another thing that maybe you saw a little bit. We, we, are, we are giving a name and recognition to uh, all of the, the nursery and the early childhood because we believe in those children as well. We believe in, in, in birth through, through fifth grade. We believe in, in, in our student ministry and our youth group and what, what Clint and Brittany are doing uh, with our students in, in junior high and high school. Listen, we believe in the family unit. We believe in helping you raise your children in an understanding of the word of God right? We live in the most biblically illiterate generation in America. That's a true story. That is not a knock on who we are. That is the reality of the world we live in. Therefore, we have a misunderstanding of biblical values. We have a misunderstanding of biblical morals. We, we misjudge things and misunderstand things because we don't know the word of God. And so my heart, our heart, Lauren and I, we, we want to invest in your family. We want to invest in your children. We want to invest in the students of, of Grace Hill because we want to see them grow in the word of God and their understanding of the word of God as early as possible, as soon as possible. If you have kids and grace kids and, and, and you get the chance today, take your, peek your head into the room. We did some new work in that room and it's not done. We'll call that phase one. We've got a few other things that we want to do, nothing huge or crazy, but, but there's some things we want to do. We I mentioned this before, if you've ever peeked your head in there and you saw the old projector that looked really, really scary and the wood was like bowing and it was holding this projector, true story, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Nina, our kid's pastor, came in on a Sunday morning and the projector had fallen and it was on the ground. And she said, thank God it didn't happen on a Sunday morning during service with a child underneath it. The projector is gone. The stand is gone. Yeah, the parents are excited. It's a good deal. We, we hung TVs. We took care of that. Like those kind of things. Like not only do we value them knowing the word of God, we value them having no holes in their head. So uh, like that's a, that's a, it's one of those just deep in my heart that I don't want children to get things, you know, impaling them uh, and whatnot. But we, yes, you're welcome. Uh, we, we invest in our, in our children. We want, to have, we want to give you the tools you need to continue to reiterate and teach the things at home that your kids are learning on Sunday mornings. My challenge to you is this. Take time once a week to do 15 to 20-minute devotions with your family. So you're reiterating the values and the understanding of the word of God outside of a Sunday morning experience. That during the week, it's being reinstilled. That during the week, it's, it's, it's being reassessed and we're going, hey, remember, we love Jesus in this house. This is the word of God. That's how it starts. It begins at home. If we miss our home, if we skip our generation of children, if we skip our children, where will Christianity be? It may be lost. We're one generation away always from losing the gospel. It is up to us to make sure that we do the work at home. We're going to give you the tools that you need, and we're going to try to, to make sure you have the resources that you need because we believe in your children. 
our youth ministry. We're talking about adding to and doing more with our student ministry here at Grace Hill. We want to see that ministry grow and flourish here in this next year. We're going to go to camps with our students, uh, with our kids and with our high school kids this summer. How many of you grew up going to youth camp at church, with church camp? Man, I did. I loved it. It was some of the greatest experiences of my life, some of the coolest times I've ever been a part of. We're going to make sure that our kids are having awesome camp experiences, even, even little kids starting at five years old. They're going to go do a two-night camp this, this summer and, and go away and, and have fun with, with speakers that are brought in that do all these great things. They're going to get to eat camp food and learn to hate it as, at an early age like every one of us did. And it's going to be wonderful. It's, it's going to be so good for them, not their digestive system, but it's going to be good for... I'm just kidding. We'll stop there. But we're going to invest in our children because it begins at home. It begins at home. We're going to be a place to become like Christ. We're going to be a place to become like Christ. And then it's not just going to be something we're good at. It's going to be a part of our culture, a part of our DNA, to where we take on the responsibility for one another. And we say, I want to help you grow as long as you can help me grow. And we're going to build these relationships internally with each other that says, let's grow. Let's become like Christ together because it is who we are. It is who we're called to be, not just as Grace Hill. It's who we're called to be as believers, as followers of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because if I don't stop, maybe I better keep moving. So how do you fit? How do you fit into that? Real simple. Join a small group. Join a connection group. Get involved. Get involved. Lead a small group. Maybe you're going, man, I've been involved in a small group for a while now, and and I I know that I've got more to give. There's some of you that, guess what? You're about to have phone calls and emails from me and saying, hey, it's time for you to lead. It's time for you to take the next step. Lead a small group. Uh, also, this family devotions. I mentioned that earlier. Take time in your house. Spend time with your children. Invest in your children. Invest in your family. Maybe you don't have children yet. Guess what? You have a family if you're married. You've got a wife. You've got a husband. Take time together. Invest in that. Spend time in devotions together. And then the last thing is this. Volunteer. Volunteer. One of the greatest ways you see people grow in relationship with Christ is first and foremost, get them plugged into the church. Give them a place. If you have somebody that you know and they come and they give their heart to the Lord and you're going, man, I want them to get connected. I don't want them to fade away. Let's get them plugged in greeting people. You know what I mean? Unless they're like super grumpy and angry. And then we'll find them another spot, right? We'll, we'll, we'll give them another role. We'll figure it out. But, but getting somebody plugged in, letting them feel apart, feel connected, volunteer, gracehill.cc slash dream team. Sign up, volunteer. The last thing is this, be light. Be light. And it says in, in, in Matthew 5, 14 and 16, through 16, it says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's our, we, we are called to be light. We're called to be light. Plain and simple. Jesus didn't tell us or command us to to conceal or to hide the love of Christ. He didn't say, now that you have received this, hide it so that nobody finds it. That would have been a foolish marketing scheme if you're Jesus, right? No, he said, be light. Shine the light of Jesus. Shine it to everyone. So don't put it under a bowl. Don't conceal it. Don't hide it. Put it on a stand so that it, it shines light to the entire house so that everyone can see. And he said, in the same way, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. We are called to carry light to the world around us. 
We're called to carry light to the world around us. And if we don't, if our light grows dim or our light fades, then we are not having the influence and the impact in our community and the world around us that we are called to have. Because we are called to be light. He said that they may see your good deeds and glorify or praise your Father in heaven. Meaning that we are called to do good to those around us. We are called to love those around us. We have an awesome thing that we've, we've been kicking off, and we had an event uh, at the end of this past year where we went to a nursing home, and all we did was we just loved on people at the nursing home. That is not an event where we're expecting to see huge return of people coming to church. That's not why we did it. No, we did it because we wanted to show the love of Jesus, right? We wanted to be light. In February, we have an awesome opportunity coming up, and we're calling it, calling it Loads of Love, where we get to go to a, a, a laundromat here and just bless people. We get to help pay for detergent. We get to help cover the cost that it takes for them to do their laundry and stuff. And all we're wanting to do on that day is to love people just to love people. So, so we've got awesome opportunities. If you want to be a part of the opportunity of, of loads of love, if you want to be a part of that event, real simple, get in touch right now with Sierra or with Yolanda, and they're going to talk to you about what we're doing on that day. You can also donate to that if you want to bring detergent and things of that nature. We would love to have you partner with us in that because we're going to be light to our community. We're going to be light to our world. And, and, and not, just, not just in those, in those ways. There's so many other ways that we're going to be light. We're going to do, at Easter time, we're going to do this Easter egg hunt that's going to be huge. It's going to be crazy. And that's going to be an opportunity for us to just love families. And it's going to be this free event for people to come and to just have a great time and be together and we're going to love our neighbors, right? The, the idea is that we're going to shine the light of Jesus. We're going to do outreach events so that people can experience the love of Christ because of the work that Grace Hill's doing. But it's more than that. Yes, we're going to increase our outreach emphasis. We're going to increase our, our outreach initiative. But, but my goal is and my heart is this, to do more than just outreach events. I want to see us increase what we do for missionaries around the world. Last year was a great year. We gave over $30,000 to missions, which is saying something for where we are. That's awesome. But I want you to know, I have a dream, and I believe this. We can do more. I long for the day. I've got crazy dreams, and I'm not even going to scratch the surface on some of those dreams yet because I don't want to freak you out. <laughs> but I'll start at the small one. I believe that as a church, we can give $100,000 to missions. I believe that, I, I, and I don't think that that's a far-fetched or an unreasonable idea. I believe that when we catch the vision and understand what it is that God's doing, that all of a sudden you can learn to unlock your giving potential, that this is not about Grace Hill receiving money. Understand that. The money that comes in for missions does not stay in our bank account. Do you hear me? You understand this. That is about saying we believe in the work that missionaries are doing around the world in so many various different ways, whether that's digging, digging wells or whether that's underground missions work where they're in sensitive nations and they're not allowed to speak or say words and where they clap like this because they can't be heard, right? There are so many things that our missionaries are doing around the world that when you begin to tap into the heart of God, all of a sudden it unlocks your giving potential and, and you say, okay, I can't outgive God. God will see me through. He'll carry me, this, carry me through this, that as I give in faithfulness to him, my ability to reach the world around me is increased because I learned to step into the provision that God has for me out of my obedience and my faithfulness 
faithfulness to him. Guys, when we get into the idea of understanding and unlocking the potential uh, of your giving and what you can do, this is incredible. The impact that we can have in our community and the impact around the world. This is about missions. This isn't about Grace Hill receiving money and, and bolstering our bank account. This is about pushing the kingdom of God forward. Amen? I believe it. I believe that this church can give $100,000 to missions, and it's going to be a great day when we do, and we're going to celebrate it like you've never celebrated before. There's going to be like confetti cannons and, and balloon drops, and, and our ceiling's not high enough for a balloon drop, so we'll be like looking through the balloon drop, and they'll drop like this far. It'd be great, but we're going to have a great time celebrating the fact that we had a huge impact on the kingdom of God around the world. So I'm going to tap into a little bit of future vision here. I have a really big idea and a really big thought. And this is something that immediately when Lauren and I began talking about coming to Grace Hill, this is one of the first things that God began to stir in my heart. We live in a city of 1.43 million people. I've stated that already. It was in the video. You've seen it. Hopefully you're fully aware of how many people live in Dallas now. 18% attend church. And that's not because there's not churches to attend. We have churches, right? It's because the churches aren't doing enough. And that's, that's all of us as a whole. That's the capital C, the church. And I almost wonder if, if, if we could figure out a way to be more impactful. The statistics show us this, that, that, that the majority of churches, like 90% of churches, something in this ballpark, that are growing are 15 years old and younger. New churches are the growing churches. New churches are the most, it's because they're hungry, right? They know that if they don't reach critical mass, they will die. And so they're out there and they're reaching people and they're reaching people. I have a heart to plant 25 churches in the city of Dallas and the surrounding cities. 25 churches. That's not happening in 2019, okay? You're planning a church and you're planning a church and you're planning, just turned into the Oprah of church planning up here, right? It's not... That's not what's going on here. We won't even begin in 2019. I understand that. But in five years, we're going to plan our next church. I know we planted a church uh, a couple years ago down in College Station, and we took the Mountain Valley Church, and, and, and Eli is killing it down, down there. I just got a card from him this the other day. I absolutely love Eli Stewart and what they're doing at College Station. Phenomenal people. But I have a heart for the city of Dallas. I have a heart for, for not, just, not just East Dallas and Lake Highlands. That's the heart for this church, right? That's the heart for where we are. But I believe but that, that, that God wants to do greater things in, in outside of this. He wants to do things in West Dallas and in far North Dallas. He wants to do things in, in, in Oak Cliff. He wants to do things in, in, in the Grove. He wants to do things all over the city of Dallas. There are so many neighborhoods and so many different places that need a church that is hungry for lost souls. And I believe that God is calling us to plant churches all over the place. In five years, we will begin. In five years, we're going to plant our first of 25 churches in the city of Dallas and the surrounding areas. And, and, and I promise you that that is my heart right now. I am driven by that, and I'll continue to be motivated by that. That is my heart. That is my passion, because we will be light. We will not hide it. We won't conceal it. We won't be ashamed by who we are and what God has called us to do. We will speak it and proclaim it boldly, that he is leading us into a greater future than we've ever experienced or ever known, that God wants to do great things through us. And I believe this, that it doesn't just stay right here, but that it goes outside of these walls and that then we have churches all over Dallas. 
And I'm not looking for Grace Hill campuses. This isn't about building the name Grace Hill. This isn't about building the name Ryan Dubos or Lauren Dubos. This is simply about building the kingdom of Jesus. I have no desire to tell people like, okay, we're going to plant you, but you're going to be Grace Hill West. Or Grace. No, 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 that's fine. If that, if that happens, so be it. That's not my heart. My heart is to see churches planted that are reaching the people in the neighborhoods that they're called to. That'll take time. It'll take a lot of prayer. It's going to take a lot of planning. It's going to take a lot of, a, a lot of investing in leaders and building. Man, it's worth it. It's worth it. And all of this for the sake of changed lives. I'll invite the worship team to join me. All of this is worth it. The time needed, the, the money needed, the giving, you know, everything that we have to do. I promise you this, when we begin to break out of the mindset of it's not comfortable for me or it's hard for me to do this, when we begin to understand the need to reach lost people, when we begin to have a burning desire and a passion for lost souls to say, I want to see people come to know Jesus, the mindset shifts and changes, the thinking changes, and all of a sudden we go, what can I do? How can I be a part? Listen, God's not going to call everybody to be this huge giver. I get that. And I'm not trying to say that. That's not what this is about. God's going to call us each in different ways to do different things to fulfill the vision. God is going to begin to speak to you and say, what is your spot? What is your role in, in this dream? What is your role in the vision of Grace Hill? What is God calling you to? What is he speaking to your heart? What is he speaking to your mind? Because I know this for a fact. He has not called any of us to be bystanders. He's not called any of us to sit on the sidelines and just twiddle our thumbs and hope that the job gets done. When we cast vision, it's, it's about this. It's about finding what it is that God has called you to do because God has called you to do something. He has called you to a place in this vision. And some of you may go, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm there. I'm involved. I'm serving. Awesome. That's good. I appreciate it. I am so thankful for you, but I know this, that maybe he's nudging you to do more. Or maybe he's nudging you to jump in into a new role. Or maybe he's saying, hey, it's time to jump in for the first time. We're trying to make it as easy as possible for you to find your fit and to find your role. That's why we created the, 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 the gracehill.cc slash dream team. It's the simplest little form you've ever seen. Literally, you click on the areas you want to serve and you throw in an email address and we'll get in contact with you. It, that's simple, right? That's easy. And here's the other thing about that. We're gonna call that no strings attached. If you sign up and be like, hey, I wanna try this, and you go for like two or three months, and you're like, hey, here's the deal. This is not working for me. Awesome. We're not kicking you off the bus. We're just gonna find a new seat. We're gonna keep moving in the same direction, right? The bus is gonna keep moving. You don't get to get off. We just put you in a new seat. Like, maybe you like the view out this window instead. So we're gonna find the right fit for you. And we're going to say that we have flexibility opportunities. Listen, my challenge to you is this. If you go, man, I, I get it. Here, our, our next generation stuff, our, our students and our kids, they need godly men and women who are willing to step up to the plate and say, I'm going to take the responsibility for seeing these kids grow and knowing Jesus. We need you in those ministries. 
Listen, I believe heavily in the next generation. You gotta understand, remember, I was a youth pastor for a decade. So, so student ministry and, and the love for the next generation for children, I have children, right? So I have a heart for them too. Understand that is big on my heart. And I'm saying, listen, they need godly men and women, men and women, right? Not just women in the nursery, but we need men and women serving and saying, I'm gonna love these children and show them Jesus. Same in our student ministry. We need godly men and women who, who are wanting to smile and welcome people as greeters. We need godly men and women that want to help be ushers and say, hey, I can help people find a seat. I can help people feel comfortable and just welcome, right? There are so many opportunities in so many places. Maybe you're saying, listen, serving's not my thing, but God has blessed me with, with, with finances. Great. And maybe God's pushing you to say, you know what? You, maybe you need to give a little more to help see this vision fulfilled because the reality is it takes real money to do real ministry. And that's not me just trying to harp on giving hear me, hear my heart. Listen, God will make a way. God will provide for the vision. And if you say, I'm not giving any more ever again, so be it. That's between you and the Lord. I'll let him deal with your heart. And God will provide for us to do the vision. And I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. But hear me when I say, God is calling each of us to a role. He's calling each of us to a place. He's calling each of us to a a responsibility within Grace Hill. Amen? I want everybody to stand this morning. Everybody stand this morning. I'm so excited. I'm so passionate about this. I'm so motivated by this, driven by this. And I believe that God has called us to a greater future than we've ever known. I say it all the time. The best is yet to come. Say it with me. Ready? The best is yet to come. We have not arrived. We have not reached the end result. We have not. We have a building and and, and the heat is on and and we're getting a new roof. Can we say amen for the new roof? Yeah, this is a good thing. Yeah, it's really good. So the leaking will stop. (laughs) It's awesome. But, you know, we lost like eight or nine parking spots today, but that's one week. I can justify it for a week. You know what I mean? Uh, Because we have a new roof in uh, a couple of days it'll be done. And I'm pumped about that. That's a good thing. We can get excited about those things, but at the end of the day, we're not done. This isn't it. We haven't reached the climax or the end point where we're like, all right, smooth. No. If we ever get to that point, man, we've missed it and our heart is wrong and we need God to convict us and call us back to a place of repentance that says, oh God, I am so sorry for neglecting the souls we have yet to reach. All of this is for the sake of changed lives. All of it is for the sake of changed lives. Grace Hill exists as a place to belong, to become like Christ, to be light to the world around us, all for the sake of changed lives. All for the sake of changed lives.